Welcome to the ministry of the International Christian Assembly in Southeast Spain. We are here for the purpose of worshipping God and reaching others with love. We pray that as you listen, you will be inspired and challenged in your walk with God. Good morning, everyone. As I, um, I said to you last week, thinking of this new uh, this trip that uh, we are, we're having to take, and uh, I, I thought we were coming back. Apparently, we might not. It might be the last uh, breakfast next Saturday. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm okay with that, believe it or not. But <laughs> um, uh, we, um, in, in, in thinking that, you know, I'll be gone for, for a little while and y'all can rest for six months or five and a half at least. Uh, <laughs> I thought, you know, what, what is it that I want to leave again as a reminder, you know? And, and I, I think of the fact that we're here because of the gospel. This is the gospel. We're not here for any other reason. It was the gospel that brought me to the knowledge of Christ. It is the gospel that has kept me to this day, and it is the gospel of Christ that will see me through into the eternity that I have been given and already uh, have received. So I thought, let's, let's just go back to, those, to that word of the gospel and the declarations that come with it as a result of it. You read uh, uh, some verses there in which uh, in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, Paul starts out... Uh, speaking of the gospel, and then if you know the rest of the chapter, it just breaks into eternality and the fact that uh, we, because of Christ, are of those who have hope, have the greatest hope. Um, in verse uh, 3, it says, For I delivered to you first of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Two parts to the gospel that are to us of great importance. His death in which all that was against us was canceled. His resurrection where all that is power has been passed on. So the story of the Bible, we said, is all about God, or I should say uh, from Genesis to Revelation, you have this story where there is this pointless, and I say pointless, um, uh, in, uh, attempt of man to find God on his own merits and the triumphant search of God for man as he uh, dictates from eternity. Ephesians is another one of those gospel verses, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, which says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. And we stop right there. We would have plenty of time and uh, plenty of material to speak on. It is the gift of God. You didn't do anything. You didn't deserve it. He just simply chose to give it to you. 
It is the gift of God, not of works, he says, so that you cannot be proud of your actions. Not of works, so that no one can boast and say, I did it right. The gospel is the knowledge that God reached down to us and offered a gift, an undeserved, unmerited gift. We call it eternal life, but it's called in the scriptures Christ, in whom that life is. The message of scripture is quite simple. God placed, we said, a thirst within man to have communion with the creator and the sustainer of the universe. And it has is, it is, it is been conclusively uh, arrived at by the secular community. They cannot understand why wherever they go, the anthropologists, the sociologists, whatever culture they go to, whatever, whatever most backward people they'll find in some remote jungle, they have religion. Why is it that in the heart of man there is this need for religion? Well, it is nothing less than God telling man that he has a creator and that he needs to search him out and that he needs to come to understand that creator. There is a need inside of us. Our job is to take that gospel to all the corners of the earth so that people can find that creator. Now, there is this futile or pointless search of man, and we always have to remember that. We have to understand this is a worthless job to try to find God on our own or with our own merits or just being good or having been born in the right culture or the right house or the right... You know, there, there, I was born in the wrong house and I found Christ. I think I can say my children were born in the right house and they too had to find Christ. It doesn't... There is no advantage... Uh, uh, to an individual because they are just good. The triumphant rescue of God is the story of Scripture. It begins in the Old Testament. You only have to reach chapter 3, verse 15, and you find what is considered or called by the theologians the Proto-Evangelium, the first gospel. And it is when, when the God is bringing condemnation to the serpent for having deceived the woman. And he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. And he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. That, folks, is the gospel. Right from the beginning... Right from the beginning, God has triumphantly sought to rescue us. So whether it's understanding the purpose of the tabernacle, the manifestations of God, the sacrificial system, the coming of the Messiah, it is all about redemption. It's not religion. It's God desperately trying to get our attention. 
During that time uh, last week, we came to this conclusion that we have to make some declarations of faith. We need to make some declarations of faith. And we did four declarations based on the cross. We said we have to learn to understand the value of the cross and we need to love the cross. And we gave four reasons for it. We love the cross because it satisfies the justice of God. You see, God is angry at sin. And that anger has to be appeased. And only the cross can appease it. We said, I love the cross because my sin is paid for and I have been forgiven. Those are, that is numbered among the riches of Christ. The riches that are in Christ. Among those riches are numbered the fact that my sins have been paid for, I have been forgiven. That is part of those riches that God grants to me. I love the cross because it gives me a clean conscience. What the blood of bulls and and rams and goats could not do. What the continual sacrifice of the evening could not do. What, what no other thing, other sacrifice, other offering could do, the blood of Christ did. The cross did. It gave me a clean conscience. And the last one we looked at was, I love the cross because it frees me from condemnation. You know, the fear of the unknown can grip a person in a very negative way. I'm okay when Christians say, I'm not afraid to die. I'm just not very sure I know I'm gonna, that it's going to be as easy as for others. I mean, think about our sister Hannah. She was, that morning, she had communicated to one of her grandkids. Uh, and, uh, and before the, the rest of the morning, by the time, uh, what's your name again? Lynn showed up over there. She was already gone. You know, you think, well, that's how I want to go. I don't, I don't want to go in a hurtful, sort of dragged out kind of way. That's not a fear of death. That's a fear of the, of the, of the process of death. You know, we don't, nobody likes pain. But condemnation, condemnation is something that a believer should never have to think about. Because if you've come to Christ, there is now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Well, we have a few more of these declarations we want to share with you because I want to leave with you the truth of the gospel one more time. I've spent all my life trying to share the gospel. Now, I've done it from so many aspects, from so many ways, and I still think that is the only reason why we're here, is the only reason I'm here, is the only reason that I choose to stay in this calling of God because I've come to the conclusion, as Scripture says, that only the gospel, only the gospel can save. And it isn't religion. So you've got to make sure that it is the gospel that you are grabbing on to, not some tradition. And so I want us to come to yet another one of these uh, declarations, and we'll call it number five. And it's declaration that says, I love the cross because it breaks the power of sin in my life. I love the cross 
because it breaks the power of sin in my life. Let me read to you from Romans chapter 6. I'm going to read a few verses. It says this, Knowing this, says Paul, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth, listen to what Paul says, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. The scripture says that if we are crucified with Christ, we no longer live, but Christ lives in us. And the life that we now live in this flesh is meant to be in Christ. That henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. In the book of Ephesians, Paul teaches us, he says that uh, we are dead in sin, dead in sin. And when you're dead in sin, you can do nothing to rescue yourself. But in the book of Romans, Paul then teaches us, now that we have found Christ, now we're dead to sin. Which means it cannot be your master anymore. It is no longer the one that dominates you. And so our sinful nature has been crucified. Now let me clarify, that doesn't mean annihilated. Because I would be saying that you somehow are perfect, you never sinned, and that you are uh, what, is, what is called uh, practical holiness. And uh, I would like for that to be true, and we strive for that to be true. But you see, the sinful nature hasn't been annihilated, it has been crucified. Or as Paul says in Romans chapter 12, right, it was put on the altar, but what happens is it crawls off from time to time to defend its territory as if it needed to be. And that's why we are to put it back up again. So not, not annihilated, but rendered powerless. The cross renders the nature, the, the sinful nature in us powerless. We now have the power to say no. I think that's the greatest explanation of freedom. No, I'm free. No, I don't have to do that. I'm free. And so I want us to make this declaration that I love the cross because it breaks the power of sin in my life. Would you repeat that with me? I love the cross because it breaks the power of sin in my life. Amen. The next declaration that I have for us is one that says I love the cross because by it, I have been healed. Now, we can get into so many aspects of this. We have people probably just in this room from various backgrounds on this issue. But I want to remind us that we did a fantastic study. It should be somewhere up in the 
whatever the cloud is, on Isaiah chapter 53, if you might remember. And in Isaiah 53, this is what the author writes, but he, has, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Now it's interesting how that scares so many people. Some because they don't understand what it means to be healed by God. Others because they want to make it more than what it is. But the truth is that you cannot take away the truth that there is healing in the atonement. I want to take you back to the passage that we read in 1 Corinthians. I just want to show you one little verse there. And then I think it's verse 3. No, uh, no, it's verse 2. I think it's verse 2 that has it. Because we read things, and, and probably you might be saying to yourself, well, what does he mean by that? But you kind of read it right through. Um, verse, uh, verse, uh, verse 1, which says, now, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. Now what does that mean? I am being saved. I I thought I was saved. Well, yes, and it's good for you to understand that even salvation has in in its DNA past, present, and future. So when the scriptures talk to us about salvation, when it's talking about the healing of God upon a person, it might be speaking of something that has already taken place. It might be speaking of something that is in the process of, and it might be speaking of something that is yet to come. Let me explain that to you very quickly. There is now no condemnation. That is salvation past. You were saved. No condemnation. Done and completed. You are being saved. What is that? Well, you're dying. You're dying to sin every day. Every day you're making a choice. Every day you're choosing to be saved from the sin that is around you. From the sin that in which you're present. And so you are being saved. Every day you make that choice to be saved from the sin that is about you. And you will be saved. The day that you step into his presence or Jesus comes, you will be saved from the entire presence of sin. Because you see, the scriptures say there's no sin in heaven. And when Paul says, we shall be saved, he is talking about once and for all, saved from the presence of sin. So salvation has within its own DNA a concept of past, present, and future. But when we talk about being healed, is it only the soul? Is it just the soul that is healed? Because we know the soul is healed. 
or does it include the body? And to what extent? And that's the argument, I think, that has forever plagued some of our churches. Um, I, I'm going to step out of line a little bit here, and I want to talk for just one little second and with, with, uh, with um, Gilda's permission about Paul Woodward. And, and, and you have to understand that I came to this conclusion I, that I, I, God had told me and, and, we, and we ordained Paul and uh, um, my, my goal was to work with him for a few years and then move on. As I, in, in the time frame that we're used to doing this. But God chose to take Paul. But what probably... The church, if you remember, those that might have been around during that time, I never accepted the fact that Paul was going to die because it made no sense. In my, in my little understanding, I said, well, that makes no sense. And I was sure that what God was going to do was heal him because he wanted to show the church and he wanted to show Paul that his hand was upon him and that he was to have confidence and courage in his, and if you knew Paul, he needed that, that in his ministry. And so I just knew he was going to be healed. The last day I saw Paul alive, I walked away from Murcia, got in my car, came home, and I was thinking, man, it's going to be a doozy of a healing. I still didn't accept. Because it just made no sense to me. When Gilda called and said Paul had passed away, I was probably in a shock that I didn't receive when they told me my grandmother died. I, I just couldn't believe it. I said, well, that makes no sense. We prayed for his healing. I was convinced that he would be healed. If you need to be healed because there needs to be faith in people around you, you know, you've heard people say that, you know, someone can have faith for you for healing. Let me tell you something. Paul should have been healed because I did not even allow the thought of him dying to enter into my mind because it was going to mess up my program. <laughs> and I thought my program was God's program. And so I said, this makes no sense. So we are in for a spectacle of God's power. Did I stop believing in healing? No. I was once again reminded, it's not my will. It's his will. It's his plan. It's his purpose. It's, it's what God chooses to do. And that's okay. Having said that, I made a statement, if you probably didn't hear me, there is healing in the atonement. Of course there is. And let me show you. In Matthew chapter 8, Jesus shows up at the house of, um, of um, Levi, right, of Matthew. Shows, he shows up at his home. And, and uh, Matthew's mother-in-law is sick. No jokes today. 
Matthew's mother-in-law is sick and Jesus heals her. Now, if you read that passage, it says that on that day, people started coming from all over to be healed. And Jesus spent the day healing. That day, he spent healing. And Matthew tells us about it for one reason and one reason only. Let me read it to you. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. That's what he says. He says, this that took place on that day was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illness, he bore our diseases. And you conclude, it was meant to be. It isn't just my soul. And so he is our healer. Now, he is not obliged to heal you always. We concluded that in our earlier conversation. But let me remind you, he can if he chooses to. So you pray for Ruby. Having said that, may I just say the obvious, in case someone hasn't figured this out, there is going to be a day when you're sick. No matter, I don't care what you believe about healing. I don't care how deep your faith is in healing. But there's going to be a day when no prayer is going to keep you from dying. Unless Jesus comes. Because the body is going to give out. Sooner or later. So... You understand that when we say that God can heal, we understand that even he chose to create limitations in our body that is this tent, as Paul says, that is falling apart. So one of these days, someone's going to pray for you, you're going to pray, and you're not going to get well. Are you okay with that? I'm okay with that. I'm very okay with that. You know why I'm okay with that? Who wants to stick around with this? I mean, at 62 and mine's falling apart already. Who wants to stick around? I want to go home. So, folks, I always tell people, I got saved when I was 19. I got excited about my faith. I began sharing my faith with I talked about heaven right from the beginning. I've been talking about heaven for 43 years. Why would I want to stick around here? It makes no sense. The day a doctor says to me, you have X time to live. And then he'll tell me, well, if you do this and you do this, we can give you another couple of months or maybe a year. I'm going to say, listen, dude, you ain't going to get in my way of going home. You know, it's just, just, that's just not the plan. So don't say that I don't believe in healing and do not say that I think everybody's going to get healed. Okay? Find a medium there. Okay? So don't... Because there's common sense should tell you that. And this verse should remind you that there is healing in the atonement. And so I have a declaration that we need to make. I love the cross. I love the cross because by it, 
I have been healed. I have been healed. Let's declare it together. I love the cross because by it I have been healed. Another declaration is I love the cross because I belong to God forever. I like saying it that way. I belong to God forever. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says this, What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit which is in you? Which, he, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I belong to God. He bought me. He purchased me. There is a no return sticker on me. There is a no return seal on me called the Holy Spirit. There is no going back on this. And honestly, my heart aches for those that think that somehow it is up to them to stay saved. It, it, It hurts me because I have to remind you, it wasn't up to you to get saved in the first place. We, we established that, no works. You can't do anything to get there. But somehow you think you have to do something to stay there. And I say, that is sad. Because you are not understanding the saving power of God. First Peter 1.18 says, I have been bought but not with silver or gold or the traditions of my parents, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish, without spot. And if that blood isn't good enough to keep me, then it isn't good enough to save me, folks. And scripture makes no room otherwise. But I know I know there are two schools in that thought. You are not your own. You belong to whom has bought you, Christ. And you belong to him forever. That is one of the riches that are ours in Christ Jesus. I'm, and I'm, 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 I mean... I've, I don't think this is new. You've never... This is not new. This is not a new thought for me. It probably is the clearest one that I choose. You know, I was in Nicaragua, right? I got all these pastors, and 90% of them are Wesleyan in theology, you know? And so I knew they were sooner or later going to ask the question. So one of them said, does that mean you believe in once saved, always saved? I hate that expression. And I said, well... To your statement, the answer is no. To the Bible, I say that those who are his will persevere. The saints will always persevere. I don't know who's a saint. You think I know where you belong? 
I mean, I kind of have an idea. Some of you I know a little better than others. But listen, folks, I've been here so long, here meaning as a Christian, I have seen people walk away from God after 30 years, 40 years, pastors, and you think, what was that all about? And you think, oh, did they lose it? You almost say, well, they had to have, right? Well, I think what scripture says that either they're just not walking with him or they never had it. That's it. You know, or they just never had it. They've gone out from us because they were never of us. They just had us fooled because they know how to say, brother, God bless you. They learn the hymns. They carry a Bible. And so we think they're Christians. Look, I don't know. I know that I know that I know that I know that I am. I know that I know that she is. The rest of you, I think I know. Because what matters is how we finish, not how we said we started. I wasn't where you started. I didn't see you. Well, I saw some of you start. Although we're missing a lot of people because they're traveling that I know I've seen them start. But how you finish, folks, that's when we will know. So I love the cross because I belong to God forever. Can you say that? Can you say that? Let's say it together. Let's make that declaration. I love the cross because I belong to God forever. I love the cross because by it, Satan and all the powers of darkness have been conquered. You got to finish there, folks. You got to finish with the enemy. Why are Christians so worried about what the devil does and doesn't do? Listen, he's my least problem. I'm his greatest problem. I'm his biggest enemy. And to me, yeah, he's my enemy, but I don't have time for him. I'm too busy with the Lord's things. You know, my job isn't to find him underneath every rock and to expel him from every corner and to tie him at every turn. Okay, I'm going here. I cannot understand that theology, folks. How many times do you have to bind him? People bind him every Sunday in every church. They bind him for this, they bind him for that. And I say, well, did he get loose again? Was your straw too, too weak? Wait, wait, what's, what's with that? You know, put more focus on the gospel, get the word out of how to be a Christian and leave Satan alone with his minions. You know what? You scare him when you stand on Christ. How is it he scares you? I get questions sometimes about this that I, like, really? Really? 
So I want to finish with I love the cross because Satan and all the powers of darkness, that is one hymn that I love. I I love that hymn. Um, So I want you to understand how little power I have, okay? Because I love um, It Is Finished, that hymn, It Is Finished. I would have loved to have finished today with It Is Finished. This would have been so, uh, but I didn't have the courage to come to the musicians and say, hey, y'all, can y'all do the last song? It is finished. And not, I'm like, no, 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 can't do that. No, no, not even I have the power to change the songs. But I tell you what, Romans chapter, uh, Revelation chapter 12, this is what it says. Listen, in chapter 12, John sees this vision. It's a wonderful vision. He says, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceives the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Those are the demons. And then speaking of us, listen, speaking of us, this is what it says. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the, unto the death. Wow. They overcame him. But they overcame him, he says, by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony and their love. And they loved not their lives to the death. You see... It is his blood and the testimony of what he has done in me that says to Satan, you have no part here anymore. Yes, I believe the devil and his demons exist, of course. I've seen him at work. I've seen him in people. I've heard their voices I have seen them physically change an individual. I always know when they try to interrupt my speaking of the gospel with a person. I always know. But nonetheless, my declaration stands. I love the cross because by it, Satan and all powers of darkness have been conquered. Would you make that declaration with me? I love the cross because by it, Satan and all powers of darkness have been conquered. What is madness to the world? The cross. What is madness to the world for us is salvation. Think on all these things that are yours as a result of the death of Christ on the cross. Satisfied justice of God. Sin paid for and forgiven. Clean conscience. Free from condemnation. The power of sin broken in your life. The healing of God over you. Belonging to God forever. And Satan in his powers of darkness forever conquered. I want to close with 
I'm not going to sing. No, no, no. But I am going to read because I just think this hymn is awesome. There's a line that's been drawn through the ages. On that line stands the old rugged cross. On that cross a battle is raging for the gain of man's soul or its loss. On one side march the forces of evil, all the demons and all the devils of hell. On the other, the angels of glory. And they meet on Golgotha's hill. It says the earth shakes with the force of the conflict. And the sun refuses to shine. There hangs God's son in the balance. And then through the darkness, he cries. It is finished. The battle is over. It is finished. There will be no more war. It is finished. The end of the conflict. It is finished. And Jesus, Jesus is Lord. Is he your Lord? That is the question. Is he your Lord? Let's stand and close in prayer, please. Father, your word. builds faith in our hearts. Your word guides us through the difficulties, through the shadow of death. Your word clears the confusion in our minds. Your word asserts authority over our lives. It is your word made flesh that freed us from the power of sin. Father, thank you for the gospel, for what it means in our lives as Christians. Thank you for the gospel and for what it means to anyone who is not a believer, because it is hope, it is the gift, of eternal life. It is your love being poured out. It is your cry of repentance to all men. Oh, Father, I pray that those who are here in this room are sure, more than sure, that they have made peace with you. Thank you, Father for the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the ministry of the International Christian Assembly, a ministry of AMG Spain and AMG International. For more information, please visit our website at www.rcatorrevieja.org. This audio file is not copyrighted.